Welcome to the OKC First Church of the Nazarene podcast. At OKC First, we are learning to do three things. Friendship with God, friendship with one another, and open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. Do not judge so that you may not be judged. For with the judgment you make, you will be judged, and the measure you give will be the measure you get. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye while the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine, or they will trample them underfoot and turn and maul you. This is the word of the Lord. It is a little different day today. Um, I, I want you to know that you don't have to be a certain kind of person to do the preaching and the teaching and the leading around here. It's more than just one kind of person. We can also have short people to do the same kinds of things. The truth of the matter is that our church, and I mean that both with the capital C, so our denomination, and our local church, has benefited over the years by the preaching and teaching and the leadership of women. And we have currently women on our staff who are leading in powerful and pastoral ways. I, I gotta tell you, I, I do not refer to her as Lisa. I always say pastor, every time, every time I see her. We are going to benefit today from the preaching of, of one of these kinds of people. There are a lot of reasons for me to jump out of bed and come to work here, come to church here, and they typically have first and last names. I love the team that's been constructed here. But to have Aaron and Brittany Bullerjack here, now watch this, Aaron and Brittany are the college pastor. You getting that? Aaron and Brittany are the two-headed college pastor. And to be able to work alongside people like this, it is just a reason to be really excited but about our future, about our future as a church. And Brittany, we, we couldn't be more excited to hear from you today. And I, and I said this to you earlier, look at this. This is an easy crowd to preach to. Look how sweet they are. They just, uh, they are good. Now, every once in a while, they'll give you an amen. Amen? Okay, every once in a while, you get, but don't fish for them because you get dirty looks. From, don't do that. Don't fish for them. <laughs> but we are very excited to hear from you, and I want to pray for you, and then uh, I'm going to get out of the way because I'm looking forward to sitting right there and being preached for and to, okay? Let's pray. Our Father, we are so grateful, so grateful for all that has gone into the making of this life, for family, for her husband, for all of those pastors and teachers who over the year have poured into Brittany Bowlerjack. Pray, God, that you would calm her mind and calm her nerves. Give her this deep sense of peace mixed with a healthy dose of boldness and even audacity that we would hear from Brittany what you would have to say to us today. 
May she know that she is loved and revered and honored here. May she know that we are sitting on the edges of our seats to hear what it is that she will say that starts with your mind and your heart and then comes through her. We love you, Lord, and we are grateful for Aaron and Brittany and their work here among us. In your son's name we pray, amen. Ladies and gentlemen, why don't we welcome Brittany Bowler-Jack. Well, thank you for that introduction. Um, you are dismissed. No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> um, yeah, this, this is a really cool moment for me. Um, you know, I felt called to this church years ago, 2001. And I think since then, I've always kind of pictured myself doing something like this. Um, so thank you for giving me the opportunity. And um, I said I was preaching today, and somebody said, oh, John's gone? And I said, um, no, John's just giving me a chance to spread my preacher wings. Is that okay? And they're like, yeah, we could, we could live with that. So I know that um, it's hard to give away a Sunday hearing from your pastor, but I really appreciate you giving me your time. <sighs> um, yeah, so... People are like icebergs. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard something like that before. I feel like this might be a huge revelation in your life. So I'm going to go ahead and, and point, point it out, right? So <clears throat> you kind of have the surface of yourself, and that's our actions, um, the things that we do day in and day out. And then there's kind of these desires, and then at the bottom... In the gut, the gut instinct of you, that part where everything flows out of is your story or your worldview. Um, and I'd like to say that this sermon will hit you in the gut, um, but I have no idea if that's actually the case. So what I'm really going for maybe is kind of all three of these today and see if we can touch on some things that might be meaningful to all of us. So you can turn with us to our scripture. Um, you heard Aaron read it a moment ago. It's Matthew 7, and we'll start with the first couple of verses. Do not judge, so that you may not be judged. This is a really hard sermon to preach, right? Because I am a human being. I am a human being. You are human beings. And it is hard. It is hard for words like do not judge to come out of my mouth to you. Because the truth is, I judge. And I find myself doing it quite a bit. Um, when I was in high school, I was not the cool kid in the room. I don't know if you can imagine that, but it's true, right? I, I was kind of pretty low on, on the totem pole. And if you kind of know high school, high school is this hierarchy, right? You either eat or be eaten, and you climb that ladder, so help you, you will survive high school, right? Um, and I was very much a part of that world. I thought that I needed to be um, noticed, I thought that I needed to be praised, and I thought that I needed to not be the bottom rung of the ladder. And so one year at camp, um, I got put in the room with all the popular people 
and they were adorable, and they had brought makeup bags to camp, and um, it was nothing like me, and I, I thought to myself, oh, great. This is going to be a terrible week. Look at these people. I'm nothing like them. This is terrible. And two of them came walking in the door, and it's interesting that I'm using them there. Anyway, two of them came walking in the door, and they were talking about judging. They were like, yeah. You know, it's just everybody's judgmental, whether they think they are or not. And I sat up in my bed and I thought, I am not judgmental. You people are judgmental. I am not judgmental. When clearly I was probably the worst one in the room in that very moment. So all that to say, um, please don't think that I stand here on a pedestal. I'm up here and you're down there. Um, I, I judge. I do. And so this is a hard one for me. And I just wanted to confess that to you right at the beginning. For with the judgment you make, you will be judged, and the measure that you give will be the measure that you get. This word here for passing judgment is a Greek word, krino. And I don't speak a lot of Greek, I'll be honest. I looked this up in several different things, and then Dr. Tashin also told me how to pronounce it. So <laughs> um, I come to you a learner alongside you, um, but it, it kind of evokes a few different things. It evokes this kind of judge in a courtroom, um, something deep and harsh and final. Um, it could all, it's the same word that's also used for, for God's judgment when God makes a judgment. Um, and so in a sense, it's almost like saying, um, don't play God. You know, this isn't your place to judge. This is, this is God's place to judge. This is God's place to pass judgment. Um, when we see ourselves as the judge, when we judge, we elevate ourselves above others, right? I thought I was the best person in the room um, because I didn't bring my makeup bag to camp, when obviously that was, was totally not the case. Um, but we live in this culture. We live in a world that encourages this behavior in us, right? We live in a world with a hierarchy. And um, it was really interesting that I had already thought of this kind of antidotal story, but Jason also pointed it out that we have this thing, right? We call it Facebook. And contrary to all the other spaces in your life that you might kind of have as this sacred judgment-free zone, Facebook is the opposite of that, right? Whatever the opposite of judgment-free, um, that's Facebook. Facebook is a judgment-full zone, and we kind of participate in that, right? We almost encourage that in each other in some ways. Um, we lived in England for two years, and we went on this really cool trip for our anniversary. We hiked in this, in this national park called Lake District National Park, and it was gorgeous, right? And we spent um, two hours climbing down into this valley, and cars can't go there, and people don't live there, and it's quiet, and it's, it's just gorgeous, and it's, it's such a sacred space. Um, and we got there, and, and you should know a few things about me, and one of them is that I do like to do yoga. I like to have these quiet times where I give gratitude in my life for what's happening. And I saw this huge boulder looking out over the valley, and I thought, I want to do a yoga pose on that boulder so I can make it my Facebook profile. <laughs> right? And so... I, got, I get up on this boulder, and I'm like, Aaron, take the camera. And he's like, really? I'm like, yeah, yeah, just take the camera, take the camera. So 
he takes this camera, and it took him like a whole minute, right? And I'm not, I'm not standing there enjoying the view. I mean, it looks like I might be standing there enjoying the view, but I'm actually speaking, right? I'm saying to Aaron, Aaron, hurry. Have you got it? Are you done yet? This really hurts. I'm ready to get down. <laughs> I'm falling over. I'm falling. Wait, stop. Don't take it right now because I'm falling. Okay, okay, now take it now. Are you done yet? And so it was one of those moments when I participated, right? In this judgment culture, I encouraged people to elevate me in, over them or, or to judge me in other ways. And um, we do it without thinking. We, it's one of those instinctive things for us now as a people and as a culture. It's just so much a part of who we are. And so I spent a lot of time this week thinking about what might be the opposite of judging our neighbor. If we're not supposed to judge, if we do not judge, then what do we do do? Um, and I thought of a lot of things. I thought, well, maybe the opposite of judging is, is humility or, or maybe it's, um, you know, grace. But I, th I think really the opposite of judging our neighbors is to live in equality and solidarity, to give grace to each other as a community, as a kingdom community, um, to live in this kind of completely countercultural way, right? To show people God's love, that God's love is not about God being over us and we're little minions sent here on earth, but that God loves us so much that he became a part of this sea of humanity to show us that love, um, something I think is really powerful. So if we go to verse 3, you have this really fun analogy. And in your worship folders, I put a little cartoon. It's not actually funny, but it's a cartoon because I think this is actually a little bit of humor from Jesus, right? If you can imagine this, like, Sermon on the Mount, you know, preaching this on a grassy hillside, maybe he brought up a little kid and he was like, hey, kid, go get a log and hold it up to your face like this. And then, you know, brings up another little kid and is like, hey, kid, bring a little speck and put it on top of your head or put it next, next to your eye, you know, and then, like, show these little kids to the crowd and be like, why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but you do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take that speck out of your eye while there is a log in your own eye? And I think the wording of this phrase is really interesting. Let me take the speck out of your eye. I don't know if you have, um, obviously this is not a personal story. This has never happened to me. Um, but if you have ever been a kid and got something on your face and come in, you know, from the house and your mom is like, oh, oh, let me, can I get that for you? And you're like, mom, mom, no, no, you know, don't touch my face. That's gross. Like, why are you doing that? And, and I think it's something that we do down, right? It's like, a, oh, let, let me get that off of your face. And I think if we actually encounter an adult in the same situation, right? So Skylar comes in from the backyard and has a little thing on her face. I'm not going to go, oh, Skylar, uh, let me get that for you. No, I'm, I'm going to say, hey, Skylar, do you know you have, a, you have a thing here? Can you? No, other eye. Yeah, okay, good. You got it. And so I'm going to treat her in a completely different way than I would if I thought of her as something below me, as something less than I am. <clears throat> Sorry, I have to turn the page. I didn't actually plan on holding two things. Anyway. <laughs> okay. 
So I think this is actually a little bit of humor from Jesus, because how can you really have a whole log in your eye? You can't, right? It doesn't happen like that. People don't accidentally get logs in their eye and not notice the log in their eye. And so it's kind of a joke. It's one of those really funny things that um, brings it down to our level. Like we can kind of relate to something so silly as a log and a splinter. But the funny part is, if I tried to correct your splinter with a log in my own eye, you wouldn't listen, right? It would be so weird and so strange and so obvious. Like, you would, you would totally tune me out. And, and probably if the same thing happened in reverse, I would totally tune you out, right? So there's something um, I haven't been through. I haven't recognized my own humanity before I try to fix yours. Um, and so then we get to verse 5. You hypocrites, first take the log out of your own eye. And sometimes I really wish the verse stopped there because that would be so much easier. If Jesus said, don't judge, you have a log, take out your log. That's so much easier than saying, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. Because we live in a culture that doesn't think it's my business what's in your eye. And we live in a culture that wants to say, no, this is judging, right? It almost, if you were looking at it from the culture's point of view, it's a complete paradox. Do not judge. Take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. It it's, doesn't make any sense at all if you come at it from the world's point of view. This is judgment. But somehow... In, in God's community, in the kingdom, the kingdom coming, this isn't judgment. It's something else. And I've tried to put my finger on it the whole time. What is a word that means this kind of gentle gesture? And I love that there's no quote for taking the speck out of your neighbor's eye. It's almost something we do without talking. It's almost something we do with a quiet and a gentle spirit after we've been through that confession and we've been transformed and we've been redeemed. We are finally able to say, and so I love that the second part is in there, even though it's harder to understand and it's maybe harder to wrap our minds around. Um, but I think Jesus does this. Um, if you have a Bible or something Bible-like around you, we'll switch to John 7, 53. Um, and this is a really great story. I love this story. I feel like this story totally parallels what we're talking about and gives us a great example from Jesus' own life of him acting out this thing that he's trying to express um, with this kind of hyperbole. So then each of them went home while Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. The scribes and the Pharisees brought in a woman who had been caught in adultery. And making her stand before all of them, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? And I just, I can totally imagine this, right? 
the woman kind of being shoved forward between all these people in front of Jesus and these men who clearly believe that they are far beyond and above where this woman is in her life and are condemning her in a way that is so harsh. And these words sting, right? If you were this woman, can you even imagine the sheer humiliation of this moment? You have been just utterly shamed in front of a whole crowd of people, including Jesus. They said this to test him so that they might have some charge to bring against him. But Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And I don't know if you noticed, but that's where the woman is. She's on the ground. And Jesus bends down, and he writes on the ground. And I think we spend so much time thinking about what Jesus was writing that we forget to ask ourselves where Jesus was. There he was, down there with her. And they kept on questioning him. And he straightened up and he said to them, let anyone among you who's without sin be the first to throw the stone at her. And once again, he bent down and wrote on the ground. And when they heard it, they went away, one by one, beginning with the elders. And Jesus was left alone with the woman now standing before him. And he straightened up and he said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, sir. And, and hear this. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go your way, and from now on, do not sin again. So there's something in this last sentence. Go your way, and from now on, do not sin again. And he's not condemning her. He says right there, he does not condemn her. But he's calling her out. He's calling her out of this life that has so engrossed everything that she's about. He's calling her out. And he's saying, don't do that. Don't be that. Walk away from that life. Go your way. But don't sin again. Don't fall into that trap. And so I think as Christians, we are called to be like Jesus in this way. Not to ignore each other's sin. Not to say, oh, your sin's not my business. It's not my problem. You, you just sin. That's fine. But to be able to say, you know what? I've been through a lot of stuff. And I confess. And I have been redeemed. Can I help you? Can I be there for you? And, if, and if, I can, if I can be facetious for just one second, I want to say, you need me. Did you know that? You need me to speak loving words of correction in gentle ways that you are able to handle. But you know what? First, you need me to confess you need me to repent. You need me to transform, to be redeemed. Why? For two reasons. Because if I don't acknowledge that both of us have clogged up woody eyes, I'm going to be judgmental towards you. It's just how it works. 
And number two, because if I don't recognize my own sin and allow God to work in my life, you're not going to listen to a word I say, even if by some miracle I speak it in love. I am nearly useless to you on your journey unless I myself have been redeemed. But you know what else? I need you. I need you to love me enough not to condemn me, but to call me out. I need you to lift me up from where I've been, to remind me that it is a place I should not go again. I need that. I really do. But first, you got to look at yourself. Because if there's a log in your eye, you are going to struggle not to judge me. And I'm going to struggle to accept your love. To accept any word that you might have that I might need to hear in my life. But if God is working on your log and God is working on my log, then maybe, just maybe, in community, we can have the grace to help each other with the specs. There's a new king, and there's a new kingdom, one of grace and mercy and not condemnation. And I hope it's encouraging, right? You are loved. You are called by God, not in a condemning way. But I beg you, don't deprive me. Don't deprive a youth person. Don't deprive someone else of the very thing they need to grow just because you're not willing to confess your own sin. It has to start with us first, your log. It has to start with us because that's what makes the rest of it possible. And this is the dream, right? This is it. This is the kingdom community for a community of people with woody eyes to love and to give grace and to be transformed. And then to love and to give grace and be transformed and to love and to give grace and be transformed. And there's a whole world out there of hierarchy and judgment that desperately needs to see that this is how God loves And how will they know if we don't live it out? How will they know if we are not a kingdom community who loves each other enough to speak out in grace, humility? What better way for the world to understand a God who does not condemn but loves and calls us up, calls us out, than by witnessing a community of people who do the same? And there's this strange last verse, do not give what is holy to dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine or they will trample them underfoot and turn and maul you. And I've heard so many different explanations of this last verse, Um, but I think the one that makes the most sense to me is that sometimes people aren't ready to hear what you might have to say, and that's grace too, to wait on them. Some people are not ready for you to gently wipe away a speck. And that's okay. 
We can wait. We can be here when you're ready. And I know we're supposed to be talking about stories and worldviews, but I think it's hard to, sp to speak these words without asking, what are your logs? What are your planks? What's muddying up your vision? And I'll give you a hint, it's usually the thing that you find yourself pointing out in someone else. And the hard part of having a log in your eye is that you clearly cannot see past this log. And that's okay. We live in a community. And we have a God who wants to move us towards holiness. We have a God who wants to help us with the logs and the specks and the grace. Well, go ahead and invite those serving to come and prepare the table. We're going to receive communion today, and we're going to receive it from each other. We are a people of woody eyes and transformation, giving grace to one another, and being the flesh of Christ in the world. And I hope that you will allow your fellow community members to serve you. So let's pray. Dear God, bless these elements which you have provided for us today. May they be a symbol of the way you love a body broken and a blood poured out, God. Thank you. Thank you for not condemning us, but for loving us enough to be real with us and call us out say, neither do I condemn you. God, be with us as we try to open our eyes enough to see the planks and the logs and the specks. As we try to be the gentle, humble lovers around us who wipe away the specks of another. Help us to be the people who allow the other to wipe the speck from our eye. God, give us the grace, the grace to hear what others might have to say to us. The grace to know that they, they love us when they tell us these things. But God, show us, show us how to begin with ourselves. Show us where to begin in ourselves, God. We need you. the Gospel of John, chapter 13. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus says to his disciples, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, the world will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it 
in remembrance of me. And I don't know if we say this often enough, but this table is not for the perfect. This table is not for the flawless. We prepare these elements for a people with planks and logs and histories and stories and hurts and wounds. And we hope that you won't let that stop you from joining us at this table. Because we believe that here you can find Christ in these elements. You can hear from a God that wants to speak to you. In a moment, we're going to have everybody exit your pew to the left and come forward to receive these elements. And we hope that you'll just come with your hands open. You don't need to grab at it. You don't need to take it for yourself. Let your fellow community member serve you today to give you the bread and to offer you the cup. And it's gluten-free matzah, so you don't have to worry about anything like that. You just come and be together at this table. If you can't make it up to the front, Jason will come around and um, serve you communion himself.
that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. God, we are people of locks and specks kingdom. We want to be your kingdom come here in this place in our lives. Just take a moment to give you a little space. If you have a log that's come to mind, maybe call it out. If you're ready, so much that she's continuing to heal even though she's been in the hospital she's at home recovering God we thank you for what you're doing in her life God we just pray that you would be among us come Holy Spirit fill us use us that we would be a people of grace and humility let's pray the prayer together that Jesus taught his disciples to pray use debts and debtors. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name.
Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Like us on Facebook at Oklahoma City First Church of the Nazarene. Or follow us on Twitter at OKC First Church.